You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasse, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. How are you? I'm keeping well, thank you. And off, Kathy? I'm doing well, thanks. Very well, thanks. Do you know, I was actually just looking at the number. We are at 185 shows right now. Yes, um, I believe fi- so. It, yeah. It, that does sound about right. Yes. Remember when we were preparing for our 100th show? All the excitement and everything. 200 is going to come and go because of our situation right now. Yeah, well, we'll have to make up for it. Maybe at our 250th if we get that opportunity. That would be great. That would be great. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. And please do keep the emails coming. We are at thh at radiomaria.ca if you want to reach us directly. And please do subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website and on my website. The Radio Maria Canada website is radiomaria.ca and my website is kathybiasse.com. So I have made a new file. Now, this, these, these towels have been around forever, so I'm really, really super late coming to the, to, to the party with this. But, um, Alex, I've, I've fallen in love with Turkish towels. Do, do you know what they are? Have you ever had I, one? I, I've, um, I've definitely heard of it, but not really, um, not really that much aware of it. But why don't you fill me in? Neither was I, um, and I, I just saw the, a company, I've been doing a lot of online buying, I have to tell you, and I needed uh, some new uh, bedding. Anyway. Oh, tell me about it. I think uh, it's, anyways, that's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> so I was just, I was perusing around this website looking for bedding, and I saw these Turkish towels, and I had seen them before because they just are so, they come in so many beautiful colors, and I thought, yeah, yeah I want to try and um, I, I bought a couple, and I have just fallen in love with them. Um, so I just, I, I just wanted to tell you about them. So a, a real Turkish towel, I mean, they're always going to be knockoffs of everything. But a real Turkish towel, as the name implies, is a towel that's made in Turkey on looms with Turkish cotton. Uh, they came into existence around the 17th century in Bursa, Turkey, so my research has told me, and they're sometimes called Peshtemel, Hamam, or Futa towels. But um, whatever you want to call them, here's why I absolutely love them. They are super absorbent. They are huge space savers. They dry really quickly, and they're just so darn pretty. I mean, they're just so so nice. Um, the towel's absorbency, and the reason why these Turkish towels are so great is because of the use of long cotton fibers. And so how this benefits the towel, it, it, it means that there are fewer joints, and this results in stronger and smoother cotton threads. And because of this unique cotton, the long fiber cotton, Turkish towels actually become softer, fluffier, and more absorbent as you wash them. So the more you wash them, the better they get. It's kind of like a fine wine, right? Um, And because they're so thin, they air dry really quickly. So you can take these things to the beach. I mean, if you go on some of the websites, they they show you that you can wear them as a scarf. You can take them to the beach as a sarong. Um, But they, and they take up like, I, I took, um, I, I bought some from my, from my uh, chalet, my cottage, and I took out some old towels that I'd had from years and years ago. And I now have like 
two full shelves because they're so thin, they hardly take up any space at all. I open my closet as like a breath of fresh air because they're just all stacked there, uh, all on one little shelf. And I bought a, an array of colors and they have these little tassels on them. They're just, they're just great. I just, I absolutely love them. Every year, you know, I look for something that I have to buy a lot of Christmas gifts. And this, this may be the thing for this year is these Turkish towels. I just, I love them. So check them out. I will. Thank you. So on to today's show. Our guest is Eric Karpinski, and he has been on the cutting edge of bringing positive psychology tools to workplaces for over 10 years with clients that include Intel, Facebook, IBM, T-Mobile, Eli Lilly, Genentech, and many, many others. He is a key member of Sean Aker's Good Think team and developer of the Happiness Advantage the Orange Frog in-house certification program, where he's trained more than 100 facilitators to lead positive cultural transformation at their organizations. He was trained as a scientist at Brown University and has an MBA from the Wharton School. His new book is called Put Happiness into the Workplace, and it's being published by McGraw-Hill in March. It's going to be a really fun conversation with Eric. And some of the things that we'll be talking about is what does happiness mean? What is happiness? And why cultivate happiness in the workplace? And does happiness in the workplace translate to happiness in our personal life? So everybody, we will be back in a few minutes to talk with Eric. Darkness, we will rise. We will rise with you. 
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, this show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in. Please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Health Hub RMC on all three locations. And do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. If you have any further questions that we haven't answered in today's show for Eric, I can certainly pass them on if you uh, are not going to be contacting him directly. So that being said, Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Kathy. Happy to be here. It's it's a real pleasure. It's going to be a really uplifting conversation, and this is something that we need, right? Absolutely. I, this is this is a tough time for everyone, and mm-hmm. uh, and trying to find ways a to to be with our sadness um, and our challenges and our fear, but also to uh, also find ways to find some happiness and some some positive outlook uh, and some things that we can look forward to in this in this time is also really important. What brought you into this space of cultivating happiness? You know, it was, it was being on my own <clears throat> path uh, to happiness. I was, um, started learning about, <clears throat> learning about positive psychology and research, the science of happiness, uh, about 15 years ago. It was still a pretty young field um, that really started in sort of 99, 2000. Uh, and realizing that there, I was a, trained as a scientist, biochemistry, and so... When I started pursuing my own happiness, I was trying to figure out, well, what does the research say, right? I, I did what I sort of was expected to do in terms of, you know, working hard in school and getting lots of success at work and Ivy League degrees and all these things that were these metrics of success. And everyone told me that success was going to help me lead to happiness, uh, but it really didn't. Um, the success gave me money to buy things, but it, and it gave me some power, uh, and some, some autonomy, but it didn't ever help me really become happier. So as I was struggling with my own challenges with anxiety and depression, I started looking at what the research says. And, and that really got me interested and hooked into the science and then wanted to really share that with a lot more people. Well, what is the research? Well, before I ask that question, um, I had this conversation at dinner with uh, one of my children and my husband, and we were talking about uh, depression and and so on and so forth. It's it's such a prevalent topic. Maybe answer this for me because I don't think I've ever asked, asked an expert this: Is there anything wrong with not being happy all the time? Oh no. <laughs> please that was one of the most important things like when when you know you get people and people are talking about happiness and there's this expectation and this actually when i started learning about the research i said well once i know all this stuff i'll be able to be happy all the time i won't have to feel sad or angry or i can just cover it over and that's actually what led me to really intense levels of anxiety and depression because mm-hmm. we need to be able to experience what I call necessary negativity, um, I like to split negative, negative emotions into two categories. One is the necessary stuff. This is, look, we just lost our job. We just got sick with COVID or one of our family members did and we're scared and we're worried. Those are real negative emotions that we need to let in, that we need to experience them when they happen. Because if we push them down or try to cover them up with kind of a fake happiness, they're going to pop up in some other place. And so in this time when so many people are facing tough things, one of the first things I want to say is it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be fearful. We need to let those things in or we're really going to just be playing games with our mind and, and it's just going to lead to worse and worse places. So I'm that's so a great glad, question. Yeah, and I'm so glad we talked about it because, you know, we can't get away from social media. This comes up so in so many different ways, different topics. We can't get away from social media. And social media, oh, I shouldn't say always, in the, the greatest of situations, promotes all these people that are so happy with their life and, and every situation <laughs> is happy and things are just going great. And it can lead some people to look and feel lesser. Um, you know, in, in the back of our minds, when we understand, you know, these are posed pictures or whatever, but I do feel, I, and I may be wrong, you're the scientist here, I, I do feel, though, that this imposed happiness that's thrown at us every day from all the social media platforms 
may be causing a little bit of the anxiety that just seems so prevalent now, the unhappiness that's out there. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think it's a double-edged sword with social media because A, you get exactly what you talked about, people only showing the good news and the exciting things. But you also get these sort of micro groups of everyone freaking out about a certain thing and, and spreading fear and spreading anger about political things. And, and so you can get seeing, you know, one group of people may be saying all these great things and look at my kids and look at this. And that makes us feel inadequate sometimes. Whereas the other, the opposite can happen too, where everyone's posting all this negative stuff about politics, all this negative stuff about hatred and all these problems. And so it's, it's important that we don't, just like we shouldn't, it's, very, it, it's more like news, right? When you watch mm-hmm. broadcast news or, or anything, it's all what, what bleeds is what leads. And so we need to limit, or one of the paths to happiness is to reduce the amount of media we bring in altogether and particularly news media so that we're not basking in all this negative stuff all the time and think that the world is so much worse than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same thing happens with social media is we need to find a balance. Like, yeah, let's, let's stay connected. It's, it's a great tool for connecting with the people we know and love and keeping up with them. But if we spend too much time on it, it it's not healthy. We need to be interacting with each other. We need to be in, in, in real life when we can and on video when we can. Uh, and, really making real social connections, not, not the artificial ones that social media kind of pervades. You said, you said a little bit ago that when you were talking about your, your personal experiences and, and life story, that success does not equate to happiness. So right. I don't know if you want to do this in, in, a, in experiential terms or in a scientific term, but what then is happiness? Yeah, I mean, for me, happiness, the way I define happiness, and a lot of the scientists, you know, happiness is a squishy word. So when you, when you start talking about science, they, they tend to go to specific emotions. When I talk about it in, my, in the trainings and the work I do with people is, <clears throat> I talk about happiness as really any positive emotion, right? So all positive emotions, the, the ones like content, feeling content or satisfied, feeling proud, feeling excited, feeling energetic, feeling valued. All of those pure, like experiences of positive emotion are what I, that's the umbrella term that I use for happiness. And that, and that can include things like feeling fulfilled and finding meaning in what you're doing, um, which I think is a really important aspect that can keep it away from just the superficial pleasant, pleasantries and pleasures. Uh, because finding meaning in your life is probably one of the most important long-term and sustainable ways to, to be happier. So you deal a lot and your forte is working with uh, people within the work situation, right? Yep. Um, Do you find in general scopes that people are unhappy at work? Um, There's certainly an epidemic of unhappiness everywhere. And and I think that, shows up particularly at work. You know, there's, there's these expectations that we have to be here and that, that you know, we're, we're forced to work with people that we don't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily choose. Um, and so I think that that makes work an incredibly right place for us to do some work. Because what's neat, is, what's really cool is we talked about how success doesn't drive happiness, but the opposite is actually true. If we can find ways to turn our brains positive, to have experience those positive emotions more often, our brain actually works better. We're able to see opportunities that we can't see when we're angry or stressed or sad, right? You get those feelings and it just kind of bowls you over, curves you over and like makes you look down. And, but when, you, when you're primed with positive emotions, it actually, first of all, you tend to look up more. They've done studies that show you actually see more in your periphery when you're primed with positive emotions. And we know that we see more opportunities to make things if we can find more positive emotions. So it creates opportunities. It allows our brain to function better. And it allows us to then connect with people better, to build resources in order to actually overcome hurdles and challenges. And so it is a 
benefit for our workplaces if we can find ways to bring more positive emotions to our people every day. I wrote a whole book about that that's, that's coming out here in a few months. Coming out in March. Um, now, then, okay, so we talked about finding meaning at work, finding success at work. A lot of people don't view the workplace as their happy place, as the place where they find their meaning. Um, a lot of people, their, their passion isn't within the four walls of their workspace. How do you work with people like this? Well, there's two things. First of all, I don't care where you find your meeting. We want to find it where we find, where, wherever you find it, look for it, try to find what's valuable. I have a, one of the processes I take a lot of people through is a values, values clarification exercise where they really answer some questions, they do some, some journaling, trying to find what are the, the, the things that you value that are, that are really your core values. And then you find ways to put, those, to put those in action and actually start expressing your values. And one of the ways, I mean, and it doesn't matter where you do that, right? You can find meaning in every aspect of your life. But a lot of us are working six, eight, ten hours a day. If we're going to push that away and say, oh, well, I'm not going to find meaning there, or I'm not going to find happiness there, we've now talking, taken a third of our conscious life as adults and said, no, that's just not going to, we, we've written it off. That's terrible because there's so many good opportunities. There's so many places do that help people. And if we can figure out, and, and I wrote a whole, the, the whole book is about how, how do we find ways to help people find meaning, find positive emotions, et cetera, at work. And it's targeted specifically to people that lead anyone, right? So if you manage one or two people, it's, there's going to be some good tools in there for you. Because if we write off that whole section, that's a good chunk of our lives. And I think there's so many opportunities because of the, what our organizations do, how they do help people, whether it's directly or whether it's indirectly. When we're at work, we can support our teammates. And that can be a source of meaning for everybody. Even if what we do is not that is not that directly important in, you know, in, in, in our values exercise. That makes sense. So try to be happy where you are. Well, be happy. Yes, absolutely. Be happy where you are. Find meaning in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can, we can make changes, of course, in the long term uh, of the kind of work we do, et cetera. But even when whatever jobs we're doing now, if we can find relationships and social connection, people that we can support and that support us. If we can look for finding meaning in what we're doing, if we can find what our strengths are and just figure out <coughs> how to do that more often. Those are, those are the key aspects and the ways that we create what I call activated positive emotions. Positive right. emotions that actually make us move forward and take on the challenges in our lives and really enjoy the good stuff. Um. Are there, Eric, degrees of happiness or is happiness a level playing field in your opinion? <laughs> a yes or no? <laughs> yes. yes. There's, there's absolutely, you know, again, happiness is any kind of positive emotion. So, so you know, you have, you have the emotions like contentment or feeling satisfied. And I call those lower energy, rest and digest kind of positive emotions. It's just kind of like, hey, things are pretty good. I don't really need to, you know, I can just kind of soak this up and, and feel good. Then there's more active ones like fulfillment and feeling valued and, and feeling affirmed and <clears throat> energized. Like those are, those are higher energy ones, higher energy positive emotions. And those, for me, that's, those are the ones as leaders in the workplaces. We want to figure out ways to help our people feel those emotions by, by appreciating them more, by helping them be connected to each other, by finding meaning at work. Because those are the emotions that are going to help move them forward and say, Hey, I really love this team. I love what we're doing. I want to do more. I want to help us be successful because not because my boss has told me to, but because I like this, this place. I like what we're doing. Those are the types of things that as leaders, we can, we can help our people find ways to do that. We can shape work so that we have little moments of positive emotion that we have little places of appreciation, even in really stressful work environments, we can, do little things that spend spend just a minute or two here or there that really change the way we look at the world 
and have more of those, as you say, those little moments of, of positive emotion that can help us not only feel happier and content, but also help us push forward towards what we're trying to get done. Well, who's hiring you, Eric? Are, is it the upper management that's hiring you? Is it um, uh, a group of employees that feel would benefit? Where do you find that, that the interest in you and your program is coming from? I mean, it comes, it comes in from all levels. Obviously, when you, when you have the leaders of an organization buy in, that, that's a great place to start because then you can, you know, from the top, you can work with everybody and, and bring everyone along. I've had, you know, just a, a, a manager of a, of a team of 10 or 15 people bring me in and, and say, look, we want to really figure out how to, is the way we do our work to capture some of this benefit. So I've worked with, you know, some of the biggest Fortune 100 companies, and I've worked with small departments of, uh, of, of smaller companies. And it's really just about someone recognizing they want to change and they want to create a more positive supportive culture because a it's the right thing to do and because b it actually will help us get our work done in a better faster more efficient way so it helps the bottom line if people are in a a happier contented state of mind absolutely they've done studies across the board every business outcome every work outcome every output can be improved if you can find ways to bring more happiness to your people more often. Interesting. No question. Now, does this happiness translate into home life or are they two very separate entities? Hmm. Well, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, uh, everyone I talk to now, there's, there's very little, there's much less separation than there was mm-hmm. eight months ago yes. between our home lives and our work lives. And so we need to be thoughtful that, We like to, some people really like to compartmentalize, right? This is my work time and my workspace. Here's my home life and my, and the fact is you always drag emotions back and forth between them, right? Even back when more people were commuting and probably will again, you know, you have a fight with your, with your wife before you leave from work and that's going to bleed into work. Mm -hmm. If you have a really tough tussle with a, with a team and you're just not getting where you wanted to go right before you go home. It's really hard to separate. We can't just control our emotions at a, at a whim. So then we end up bringing some of those negative emotions back. And, and the reverse is true too, right? If we can find some reward at work and we can find positive emotions at work, then that's going to bleed into home. And we're ready to embrace our kids, even whatever challenges they're showing, showing us. We're going we're gonna to see the good things more readily when, our, when we're primed with more positive emotions. So... It, I don't, I don't like to call it like the work, the idea of work-life balance doesn't really work for me because we're not, it's not like we're balancing one and one is, you know, one versus the other. Our lives are our lives and we have work things that we do and we have home things we do and we have community things we do. They, they all interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And so... You're right. That's it's like holi- it's holistic health, it, right? right? It's holistic Holist- health. Absolutely. It's it, holistic it, life. <laughs> yep. You can't separate. We're not, we're not separate uh, limbs. We are all one piece and the emotions come into play. It's the same thing. Eric, we're going yep. to take a quick break here. Everybody will be back in a couple of minutes to continue our conversation with Eric Kapinski. <laughs> Great.
You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking with Eric Kapinski, and we are talking about cultivating happiness in the workplace. And Eric, we we somewhat left off in this space of the new normal here for the workplace. And you were talking about uh, things bleed into each other, home life to work and work to home life. And with this large transition now that we have been forced into working at home, Sometimes we don't have that buffer space, right, to cool off on that, that car drive or, or the subway or train trip. And it's right there. Both home and work are right there and they're melded together. Mm-hmm. How has this changed the way you are? Are you able to train people, number one, still? And how has this new modality of workspace translated into how you approach your training? Yeah, I mean, I, I, so to cover the first one, I, I really encourage people to still have a commute time if they were used to that, to, to just say, to just tell the family, hey, I need 10 minutes. I'm just going to go into my room or I'm going to, I'm going to get like, my wife loves to cook. So like she, she has a short, she always had a short commute now. Now it's a, now it's a walk across the sunroom commute. Um, and so she likes to go in the kitchen and just prepare a nice meal. And that's her, that's always been her transition. And so find what yours is. Fine is a great way for you to have just a couple minutes to yourself to make a break so that you can get out of work mode and get back into home mode. Um, yeah. And I, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a really, there's a great series of, of <clears throat> habits that I, um, I have a whole ebook about happiness habits and there's six, six things. And this is a, one of these would be actually a great thing to use in that transition period of, work to home, which is, you know, there's just, there's simple things that take less than five minutes a day, a couple minutes of meditation, a couple minutes uh, to just do some gratitude, write down three things that you're grateful for, you know, a couple minutes spent thinking about really positive things in your life at different times and writing them down. These are all, these are great exercises. Anything that you can do that just sort of winds down and then lets you step back in to, uh, to your, to your life, life at home, mm-hmm. something that'll really give a break to the two that's just not like suddenly I'm taking care of my infant uh, <laughs> right after work if I didn't need to. Of course, a lot of people are trying to figure out how to, <laughs> right now, how to you know, teach their kids, help their kids with online school, mm-hmm. take care of their kids, and still be a part of their work meetings. And I, my hat's off to everyone that's, that's through these re- working through these really tough trade-offs and balances every day but anyway it is it's a difficult time and so the principles of what you were doing pre-covid are still the same principles that you are employing right now yeah we're still the same humans so Mm -hmm. we need to we need to think about when we can when we choose to be happy and to pursue more happiness in our lives we there are ways that we can do that and they're very similar they certainly, there's different adaptations and, and how we use them and when we do them uh, changes when we don't have commutes and we don't have as much separation. Um, but we need, to find, we need to find time for things that are good for us, mm-hmm. no matter where we are. And we need to fit them in our lives. And I, I think in some ways, you know, being working from home gives us more flexibility in that because we don't have these commute times and we don't have this on-off location. So a lot more people can maybe go for a run during lunch, you know, and, and have some, some way of getting a break that's different um, for different people and different, different ways to take advantage of, of more flexibility in their time. Well, when it comes to the, this home working stuff that we're doing now, it, it, uh, it, the lines of communication most definitely need to be in place. And, you, uh, you know, you, uh, you can definitely see where relationships can flourish or crumble if those lines of communication aren't open because having someone at home with you uh, all the time and in your space can be different, whether, whether you're 
coming home and working in a family environment or whether the family environment is accepting you at home to work here. It's a transition yep. that the lines of communication definitely need to be open. And with respect to that, um, you talk about choosing happiness, but can you learn happiness? Like some people may not even know how to choose things that make them happy. Can you teach people the principles of learning to how, how to be happy? Yeah, and, and the research is, tells us a lot of things that we can do to tap into more positive emotions in our day and in our life. And that's really, that circles back to those six habits that I mentioned earlier. These are, these are all ways of creating new habits, literally, like something that we do every day. And we do it, and it just takes a few minutes, and it allows us to rewire our brains. Some of these are all about, like, let's take the gratitude practice, for instance, right? We've talked about gratitude. Oprah talked about gratitude 15 years ago, right? And the research caught up and says, look, if we can just spend a few minutes each day thinking about what's going right, right? What are some good things that are working despite COVID or even because of it? Right? What are the things that we're finding in our lives that are good? And now, is this, is this specific, really though, Eric? Yeah. Yeah, is yeah. it specific to the workplace that you're talking about, or in general, you want to cultivate gratitude? This is in general, for sure. Okay. Um, I do. I. We know that you can rewire your brain. Like our brain is constantly making new connections and letting go of old connections. And so, if we can spend some time each day actively scanning the world for what's right, for what's going well, for what's good. And on bad days, this could just be, hey, I'm still breathing, right? Or look, I can, my eyes work and I can things in my, in my eyes. Like there, there, we can go to a lot of different places. So this is one that, that works in both. Uh, all of these pretty much work in, in both a work environment or a life environment. And it transfers over really well. Once we've got a brain that looks for what's right more often, right? Look, part of our jobs often are finding what's wrong and fixing it. It's not like we can just pretend that everything is great all the time. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about finding the real things that are good in your life and spending time thinking about them and focusing on them and appreciating them. And that's something that both we can do at home. And if we do that regularly, we really do change the way our brain is shaped and the way it's connected. And then if we can bring that to work so much better, we start to see what other people are doing for us, what people are getting done, and we start to appreciate that more. And then we start to tell them more. And that helps create social connection and helps build those relationships at work. I think it's so important. We, you know, we did talk about this earlier, but uh, to bring it forth again, because I, I personally feel that this is a key point. You, can, you need to experience all of your emotions. And these things, I think the emotions become a problem when they are stuck, uh, not when they flow through. And I, and I, don't, and I think it's important uh, what you've said, that you can experience sadness. It, it might help you to understand the experience of happiness. And I think that's, that's an important piece. Um, but getting back into rewiring our brains and neuroplasticity, is mm -hmm. this – the, the scientific angle that your program is based on, this new one, newer, not new understanding, but a newer understanding that, you know, these lines aren't rigid and that we can change them at any point in our life and our brain can adapt and change both in a positive and a negative fashion. It's, it's, it's what allows us to make long-term change, right? We can, we can do some cool exercise and feel good, and that's nice. And then we have that access to that whenever we want it. But what really makes long-term changes when we can do things on a habitual basis where we do them regularly, that's what rewires the brain. That's what changes the frame, the lens with which we're looking at the world. Once we've got these things locked and we do them regularly, then we start to see things to appreciate a lot more. And that helps drive our own positive emotions. So the neuroplasticity is about how do we make long-term change, not just, oh, let's do a happiness thing. Okay, cool. I, hey, I feel better. That's great. But what I really want is to transform folks that they're actually making long-term changes that will change the way they see the world so that they find more happiness. So happiness habits. The happiness habits. Happiness yeah, and habits. by the way, people can, people can get access to, to my ebook called The Six Happiness Habits uh, by going to my website, 
and just signing up there, they can get access to it. It's the happiness coach, all one word, dot B-I-Z, the happiness coach dot B-I-Z. If they sign up there, they can get a copy of that ebook and that gives them all the details about those six habits and then they, and, and choose one. Don't, my, my dad, when he first heard about this, like said, oh, I'm going to do four of them. <laughs> but of course you get overwhelmed trying to make that much change. Pick one. They're all designed to be relatively easy to start. They just take a couple minutes and then that starts you on your path. And there's a lot of clues in there. How do we stick with it for the, for the 21 days that we, that we know will help us actually stay with it long-term? So pick one and get the train rolling is basically what you're saying. Exactly. And pick one you don't already do, right? Like some people are already regular exercisers and they're like, oh, well, I'll just pick that one. I'll just do regular exercise. Oh, no, it's not going to change if you're already doing it. Pick one that you haven't, that you don't regularly do and try that and see what changes. You have to be invested and want to change. That's, that's the key to the, to the, the, piece, of the, or the p- piece of the puzzle that, that we need to talk about is you have to want to change. This is not something that someone's going to come in and do for you. You're not going to walk into a workplace and, and you know, tap the wand and say you're going to be happy now. People have to buy into this. Now, are you giving daily, weekly, monthly strategies or are you taking basically day by day? Are there different levels of what you're trying to cultivate here? Um, I think that the, 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 the ways that people can step into it is we start with a habit, right? We start with something we can do ourselves. And then importantly, there's a lot of things we can do <clears throat> in the workplace or at work, let's say, since there's not really workplaces for a lot of people right now. And a lot of those things are, uh, and this is what I write the big book about, the McGraw-Hill, uh, that McGraw-Hill's publishing in, this, in March, is all about what are the little things we can do at work, to bring ourselves and our people a little more positive emotions within the workday, right? And so we spend a lot of time expanding to our work activities, right? And this is something we can do, like team meetings are a great spot, right? We get together with our team, let's say we're doing it on Zoom, okay? For some, some teams, like I hear, you know, eight of the 10 spots are black screens and everyone's like kind of sitting in the corner, kind of paying attention and not really. If we can get our cameras on and we can see faces and we can interact with each other. And when, once we have our cameras on, let's play with our backdrops, right? Mm. Why don't you say, Hey, let's all just, before we get on the meeting, get a photo that makes you happy, put it up as your virtual backdrop. Right. And then we'll just go around and we'll all look at each other's photos and we'll say, Oh, I love that. I didn't know you. I didn't know you like to ski. Right. I didn't know that you had this thing. I didn't know you did this. And you start to make little connections that help, you know, make, make that face that's on the other side of the zoom call a real person. Mm-hmm. Right. And we used to be able to do this just walking down the hallway. So many of us were able to just, Hey, check in and like chit chat about something. We don't get that right now. So let's use those Zoom meetings. Let's take a couple minutes at the beginning and just do something fun, do something engaging. I love the idea of using your virtual background for A, something that makes you happy. B, something that's really fun for you. C, like a cool vacation you went on or a place that you'd, or C, a, pl- a place that you'd want to be, right? And just have people spend a couple of minutes finding a photo, put it up there. And then that just creates a fun conversation to start things off on. Then you get to the agenda. And then, you know, you can let people stay on and chit chat for a little while afterwards if they, if they have time, right? Because we just idea. don't have those casual, we don't have those casual interactions as much. And, mm-hmm. and we're learning so much about so many more teams are already virtual uh, even before COVID and so many more are going to be virtual for a good part of their world afterwards. Let's find the tools. Let's utilize this as a chance to find more connection and find different ways of connecting with each other. Do you think that this transition is a positive or a negative thing, or is it somewhat neutral? <laughs> it's, it's what we make it, yeah, right? Very good. No question that, that this has given us all a pause, okay? A, it's been hard to pause because we're all like reeling, as you and I were talking about even before we started the interview. Mm-hmm. We're reeling from all the new technologies and all the new things we need to learn and do, but it's also giving us a view on what life looked like and what work looked like in February and in January. And it's saying, you know what, that, that wasn't working in some ways. This is a chance for us to, to rebuild 
in a more positive way, right? As we, A, as we, as we are figuring out how, how we've adapted and, and making work work for us now, um, we, and when we start to build back and we start to get back to our offices in whatever form that is, what are some things that we can bring from this and change and make positive? So it is up to us if these changes end up helping us or end up hurting us. And if we're proactive and thoughtful about how we do these next, these ne- this next year, how we build and change and, and, and continue to adapt, we have the opportunity to really make and transform work into a place that isn't sort of the source of all our negative energy, but is actually something that can bring some positive emotions to us more often. I totally agree. I think one of the positive things that has, as, as the machines are going in the background and my dogs are barking and I know this is coming through on the recording, um, one of the positive things that I think can be taken away is, is a more relaxed approach. You know, you, it, it, you see these commercials of, of moms on their phone trying to conduct meetings and the children in the background and people are really starting not to care. Like it's just part of the workplace now. And that relaxed yeah. That relaxed mindset, I think, can be an extremely positive. We, workplace doesn't have to be a place of perfection where things can't go wrong. And I think that this transition to the online and knowing that there are going to be mess-ups, knowing that there are going to be drops in phone calls and everything, has really made people go, oh, whatever. I mean, this is going to happen. And I think that that can be an extremely positive thing. I think what you're doing in the workplace is sensational because most of us are out uh, during the day in workplaces and yeah. and the fact that you can help people in the workplace and then help that transition into the home life is is a gift uh, that you're giving to uh, the people that you're touching and and um, I thank you for that I thank you for spreading happiness because it's a very necessary thing especially in the world we live in today so we've talked about your book a bit We've talked about your ebook, but let's let's round it up here and give uh, give everybody one concise area where they can find everything and let us know when your book is coming out. Sure, sure. So so the book is already up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Books a Million websites. This are it's called Put Happiness to Work, and again that's by Eric Karpinski. That's me, and it, it's it's great. I mean, it's not coming out for a few more months, uh, but it is available. So if you want to pre-order it because you're excited about what I've talked about and, and there's so much more obviously that we weren't able to talk about. Um, but there's lots of great ideas for how do we make work a more positive, happier place. Little things that we can do even for the busiest executives and the biggest frontline staff and line managers, whatever, whatever, whoever it is that wants to create a happier workplace, this book can help. And your ebook um, we can find on your website? Yeah, so if you, sign, if you go to thehappinesscoach.biz, then you can, and if you just sign up for, for my periodic mailing list, you can, you'll, get, you'll get the PDF of the, of the ebook sent to you directly. And that is the number one place to start for everyone. Whether it's happiness at home or happiness at work that you're trying to get, it's just about carving out a few minutes a day and finding something in there that's, that intrigues you. One of those six happiness habits. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And um, the final thing, if someone wants to get in contact with you, if they are interested in bringing you into the workplace, again, through your website, we can find you? Yep, through the website. I also have a LinkedIn profile that I'm pretty active on. So there's, uh, they, can, they can come and follow or connect with me there. And that's a, that's a great place I do. Every week I do a conversation topic about something about work and happiness and social connection and, and learning about what the research is saying, uh, what the recent research is saying about, about a lot of these topics at work. Wonderful. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. I uh, congratulate you on your mission, and I certainly wish you the greatest uh, successes in cultivating happiness because we really do need it. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Kathy. It was a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to, to talk and share. And everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub.
You have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.